Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. Well, hey, good morning, Rescue Church. I want to say welcome to each and every one of you in all of our different multi-site locations. Did you know that the Rescue Church is one church that meets not just in one place, but in multiple communities? It's one of the things I love about our church and love what God is doing in our church. So whether you're joining us here in Flandreau, or whether you're on our Coleman campus, or Garrettson, or Deeside, Jamaica, Peoria, Illinois, or one of our many online locations on the iCampus or Facebook Live. We're just grateful to have you with us this morning. By the way, I often do this and then I often forget to do this. This would be a great time to pull out your smartphone and jump on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and say, hey, to all my friends, I want to invite you to join me for church. It's starting right now. Pastor John is preaching therescuechurch.tv. And if you throw that in there, you can see some of your friends join us for church online. That would be awesome. But wherever you're joining us from, it's great to have you. I just want to start with a quick question this morning. Um, By show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of somebody talk about a a divine appointment? You know what I'm talking about? A divine appointment. What do they mean when they say that? Like, they, they, they have this idea that something happened, but it wasn't just coincidence. Like, it was a God orchestrated meeting. Like, they were in the right place at the right time, for the right opportunity to meet the right person, and it was just something that, that only God could, could orchestrate. Can I tell you something? I believe in divine appointments. I believe that if the Bible is true, that if there is a God who created the world and everything in it, and he made man, and he put us in this world for a relationship with himself, if there's a God who loves us, as much as the Bible says God loves us, that he would send his own son to die on a cross for my sin and for your sin. If there's a God that cares so much about the intimate details of our life and he wants to walk with us through this journey called life and wants to be our friend, then I'm just here to tell you, I don't believe in a lot of coincidence. I believe that things that happen in our life that sometimes we might be tempted to sit back and go, well, that was just lucky, Or that was just a coincidence, like it was a divine appointment that there's a God in heaven who is orchestrating the events of our life for his purposes. And I've experienced those kinds of things in my life, those divine appointments that you really can't explain any other way. And in our time together this morning, I want to open God's word and share a story with you where we're going to see one of those divine appointments And I want to look at this story found in Acts chapter 8. I want to look at this story through the lens of the series we've been preaching the last few weeks about evangelism. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to show you a story from the life of Philip, one of the leaders in the early church. And as you're turning there, I'll just kind of set the the stage, give you the context of Acts chapter 8. The whole book of Acts tells the story of the birth and the growth, the explosive growth of the early church. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible because I love to see the church of Jesus Christ on the move and growing. And so you see that recorded in the the Acts of the Apostles. And in Acts chapter 8, the story is going to focus in on one of the early leaders by the name of Philip. And again, I want to 
share Philip's story through the lens of evangelism. Let me just bring you up to speed in case you've missed the last few weeks of catch and release. I'll tell you what we've been learning. We've been using this fishing theme in this series because we looked at the words of Jesus where he basically said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what we learned is that lost people matter to God. They matter so much to him like he has given his his greatest mission in this world is to seek and to save that which was lost. And he invites us to join him in that mission of seeking and saving lost people and reconciling lost sinners back to himself so that people can have forgiveness and they can walk in that purpose and that fulfillment for which they were created. And we've learned this in the series so far that if we're really going to be followers of Jesus, guess what? He is going to take us fishing from time to time. If we're really following him, he's going to say, hey, we're going out into the deep water and I'm going to tell you to let down your nets and we're going to catch some fish. And obviously we're talking about the souls of men, right? Like that's the analogy when Jesus said he'll make us fishers of men. And what we've also learned in this series, reaching back to last week, we've learned that we should always be prepared with different approaches to sharing our faith, learning that there's not just one way of sharing our faith. There's, there's many ways that we can share our faith in Christ with others. And it really depends on the circumstances we're in and the, the relationship that we have with someone. And, and so we need to be prepared always. We looked at 1 Peter 3.15 last week where God's word says, Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who would ask you for a reason for the hope that you have. And, and so I used this analogy last week of a tackle box, that we should have like this evangelism tackle box where we're prepared for whatever situation to put some lines in the water and to share our faith in Christ with others. So here's what I want to do in our time together this morning. I want to kind of wrap up everything we've been talking about, and I want to just show you Philip's story through that lens of evangelism and, and, and as we read through the story, I'll kind of point out some things along the way that I want you to see in this passage of Scripture, okay? So Acts chapter 8, I'm going to start reading in verse 26. The Bible says this. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Okay, let's pause the story and let me explain a couple things. First of all, I want to point this out. You wouldn't know this just from reading that verse. Uh, if you read earlier in, the, in Acts chapter 8, like verses 5 through 8, what you would understand is this, that Philip was right in the middle of a very successful preaching ministry in Samaria. You can go read it for yourself, but what you'll find is that he was preaching to large crowds of people, and he saw people responding to the gospel, and then all of a sudden, God steps into his life, and he's like, hey, Philip, I want you to leave where you're at, and I want you to go out into the desert. I want you to go on this road that's going to take you right through the desert where there's not that much going on. And I just want to point this out. Maybe this is, I'm the only one who this speaks to, but I just think there's times, at least in my life, where sometimes I feel like 
I should be over here preaching to big crowds of people and doing something really important. And there's times it feels like God's called me to go down this desert road where there doesn't seem to be a lot going on. And sometimes, I'm just going to tell you, if we're following the Lord, there might be times that he's going to lead us on a path in our life that feels like a demotion. It almost feels like we've been demoted. And yet what I want us to see through Philip's story is that we should always trust the purpose in where God has positioned us. Because God calls Philip away from this successful preaching ministry, I want you to go down this road out in the desert, and we're about to see one of these divine appointments. One of these things that, coincidentally, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. And by the way, if you're like, what is an Ethiopian eunuch? Well, it's a government official. In this case, he was working for Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And you can look up the definition of what it means to be a eunuch. I won't draw you a picture of that. But basically, it was a way that they kept male servants or male um, employees from having any ability to do anything sexually to their female higher-ups. Okay? You following me? All right? And I'm just resisting the urge right now to make a comparison to modern-day uh, political leaders in our country, all right? I'm just not going to do that because I'm, my filter sometimes kicks in and works. But anyway, that's what a eunuch was. And this guy is serving the queen of Ethiopia. He's in a chariot, and we're going to see the story continue as Philip just so happens to meet this guy as he's following God's will to go down this road out in the desert, okay? Next verse. It says this, verse 27. This man had gone to Jerusalem to do what, church? To worship. Hold this thought. And watch this. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Just pause that for a second and don't lose that thought. He went to worship and he's reading the Bible, okay? The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I love this next phrase. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Look at this question he asks him. He says, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. And watch the response. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Okay, pause the story. We'll get back into it in just a moment, but there's a few things i got to point out. A few years back, this detail of the story just jumped off the pages of Scripture at me. I can't tell you how many times I've read the story and I never noticed this. But it is so worth pointing out as we look at this story. I want to focus in on the life of this Ethiopian eunuch for just a moment. What I want you to notice is that he's a religious guy. He's not opposed to things of the Lord. He's not like actively rejecting the gospel. That's not who he is at all. He's coming home from Jerusalem. What do we know was in Jerusalem at this time? Was the temple. And what God, who did we worship in the temple in Jerusalem? Yahweh, the God of the Bible. You might be like, no way. I'm like, Yahweh, that's who he went to worship in Jerusalem. The God of the Bible. And he's coming home from this trip to worship He's basically on his way home from church and he stops alongside this desert road in his chariot and he's opening up the scroll of Isaiah. Now, they did not have 
that the finished word of God as we hold in our hands today, 66 books of the Bible with the Old Testament and the New Testament, they didn't have that. But instead, by the way, 66 books is the whole thing, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. I was just in my brain going, did I say that right? I did. Back in this time, God's word was contained in, in just sections and chunks. And so he's got a portion of the book of Isaiah, the writings of Isaiah. He's sitting in his chariot, reading from it. And all I want you to notice is this. This is a man who's coming home from church. He's reading the Bible. Don't miss this. And he does not know Jesus Christ. He's as lost as lost can be. And the reason that I need to say this is because I believe with all my heart it's so possible on this Sunday morning in the Rescue Church that I am speaking to somebody in one of our locations or online watching right now that you know a lot of things about God. You even have a heart that's kind of soft and tender toward God. You would call yourself religious And yet, it's very possible I'm speaking to that religious person today that although you are religious, you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you don't really know who he is. And I've said this many times before, I believe hell is full of good, moral, religious people who for whatever reason failed to recognize their need for a personal relationship with Jesus and never responded in faith to Christ, which is the only way to be forgiven of our sin and to be restored back into a right relationship with the Father in heaven is through faith in Jesus alone, period. And I've often said that the enemy of our soul, the devil, is the author of religion, and he will use religion to damn people straight to hell. This was a religious man who did not know Christ, and, and I love the, the question that Philip asks him. Do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? Hey, know this. For those who do not know Christ as their Savior, the Bible is a closed book. And what I mean by that is this. like If we don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, it is very difficult to read and understand Scripture. And I'm not saying that once we become a Christian, we know everything there is to know about the Bible. I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is we know from Scripture that part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he illuminates God's word for us. That when we're reading the Bible and then we get to some parts that aren't so easy to understand, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us helping us understand what the Bible says. So here's this religious man going, I don't get it. I don't know what I'm reading here. And again, something else i got to point out, I just want you to see this, because it's a theme, a very important theme in this story. As we look at it through the lens of evangelism, I just want you to notice the obedience of Philip as he leans into that voice of the Holy Spirit who says, Hey, Philip, go over by this chariot. And he didn't mosey on over to the chariot. It says he ran over to the chariot and he stood by it. And I would contend he did more than just that. He initiated a conversation with this Ethiopian eunuch. Did you catch that? He initiated it because he he said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? I see you're reading some of the Bible there. I see you're reading from the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand it? And he initiated this conversation that we're about to see unfold here. Let's keep reading. Verse 32 says this. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. 
By the way, in case you're curious, it comes from Isaiah 53, verses 7 through 8. And Isaiah writes, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Hey, church, I got a question for you. In Isaiah 53, who is Isaiah the prophet writing about, himself or someone else? He's writing about Jesus, isn't he? It's a portion of Scripture called the suffering servant. And he's prophetically writing about the coming Messiah who was yet to be born many years later, and who would come to this earth, sent from God, born of a virgin, living a perfect life, and like Isaiah writes here in these verses, like an innocent lamb was led off to be slaughtered. And he did not protest, he did not open his mouth, he did not claim his innocence, which he totally could have because he was completely without sin. Why did he die? Why did he suffer? In that Isaiah passage, it talks about Jesus being beaten beyond recognition of a man. Why did he endure the pain and the torture of the cross? It wasn't because of his sin, it was because of my sin. Because of your sin. That's who Isaiah is writing about. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And so what it says then is, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. I want you to notice in this story how Philip was prepared to fish. That's what I'm titling this message. It's just that simple. Always be prepared to fish. Question, was Philip prepared to fish or not? He was ready to fish. I want to make you think for just a moment. For those of you that caught last week's message where we talked about know your tackle box. And remember up on the stage here, I had my little tackle box that smelled like dead minnows and dried worms. And I basically made the point that when it comes to sharing our faith, there's multiple approaches available to us to share our faith. And we need to be good at several of them. I mean, honestly, we ought to be able to to utilize any of them if we're called upon to do it. But if you would, using last week's message, can I just ask you to think for a moment, if you had to point to one or two of those approaches, last week I shared seven approaches to sharing your faith, which ones do we see Philip using in this story? Think about it for just a moment. I would contend, I don't know about you, but I would contend that we see Philip using the first one we mentioned last week, that confrontational approach to evangelism. And remember, it doesn't mean because it's conflict. It just means it's, it's a little bit forthright. It's a little bit bold. And we see that because Philip listened to the voice of God. He went over to the chariot. He didn't wait for the guy to talk to him. He just said, hey, uh, I notice you're reading Isaiah, do you understand what you're reading? That takes boldness. He initiated that conversation. And then I would also say that maybe we see a little bit of that second approach we talked about last week, the intellectual approach. And the reason I I say that is because Philip was prepared to start exactly where this guy was at. He was talking about Isaiah the prophet. All right, let's start there. 
And starting with that very passage of Scripture, he shared the gospel with him. By the way, Isaiah 53 is a great passage to tell people about Jesus because it's all about Jesus. But that intellectual approach has the ability to meet someone wherever they're at. What are they talking about? What's going on? Let's meet them there and then let's tie it into the gospel. But notice this. Philip did not say, hey, I'll tell you what. Mr. Ethiopian eunuch man, why don't you come over to my house and, and I'll, I'll do the interpersonal approach where we just become friends for a while and I'll share my faith with you that way. He didn't do that. He didn't say, hey, you know what? This Sunday, you ought to come to my church with me. My pastor's doing this amazing series called Catch and Release. You'll probably have some of your questions answered then. Come to church with me. He didn't go that or the invitational approach. He didn't sit down with the, the eunuch and go, hey, you know what? I don't know what Isaiah 53 is talking about, but what I do know is I used to live my life like this, and now I'm a changed man. That's the testimonial approach we talked about last week. Do you see what I'm doing there? And there's nothing wrong with any of those approaches to sharing your faith. Hear this. I just, you guys got to see this. It, it's not that any of those approaches to evangelism are wrong. It's just that in this moment, if Philip was going to catch fish, he needed to start in Isaiah 53, and he needed to do it with some boldness. Could you have done what Philip done, did, done? Could you have done what he done? Could you have done what he did in that moment? Could you have just pulled out that lure from the tackle box and said, okay, this looks like a good situation to throw this line. Philip was ready to catch some fish. And I want you to see what happens here as the result. Verse 36, the last part of this story, verses 36 through 39. This gets really good. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, Here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? What a great question. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, and if you sit through your church's 12-week class on baptism, is that what it says? Nope. He says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way. What was he doing as he went down the road? He went on his way rejoicing because he was a brand new Christian who had just followed in baptism, and Jesus had just changed his eternal destiny because Philip was ready to fish. I want you to see this summary here. If you've got your notes and you're following along with me, I'm just going to ask you to write this down real, real quickly. Here's just a summary sentence of this story, and it's through the lens that I want you to view this story today, through the lens of evangelism. Here it is. Because Philip heard and obeyed the voice of God, and because he was prepared to share the gospel, he was able to lead someone to faith in Christ and baptism. There's a couple themes that you need to see from Philip's story. First of all, he was dialed in to the voice of God speaking in his life. I'm just guessing. I could be wrong about this. I'm kind of reading between the lines. I'm just guessing. When Philip woke up that morning... 
that the first thing he did was not check his Facebook account and the 17 new emails that came in the night before and watch a season of his favorite show on Netflix before he had some breakfast and got ready for the day. We start our days like that and we wonder why we don't hear the voice of God speaking into our life. My guess is, Philip, it doesn't say this, so it's a guess, but what we see in Scripture with so many men and women who God used in a mighty way is that their days begin with them spending time with the Father in heaven, in his word and in prayer. And so however his process was for hearing the voice of God, what we know is that Philip was dialed in to that voice that sometimes whispers and interrupts our day and says, hey, Philip, Leave this preaching ministry and go down that desert road. Hey, Philip, see that chariot? Go stand by that chariot. I've got something for you to do right there. I wonder how often we miss the voice of God because we're listening to iTunes, because we're listening to Facebook and all the negativity and the nightly news and all this other noise. We miss so often God's voice that would say, hey, I want to guide you and direct you and I want to take you fishing. But Philip didn't miss it. He was dialed in. But not only this, church, not only did he hear the voice of God, the next part is so equally important. He also obeyed it. I'm embarrassed about the times in my life that I can look back and say, I really felt like God was telling me to do something. And out of fear, out of embarrassment, out of not wanting to stand out and you know say the wrong thing, I set back where Jesus was saying, let's go out into some deep water and do some fishing. And I was like, yeah, let's just stay on the shore and not fish. Philip heard God's voice and he obeyed. He initiated a conversation. I'm sure that probably felt a little awkward. Like, hey, buddy, nice chariot. See, you're reading Isaiah there. Can we talk about that? And he did it. And because he was prepared. I I just want to ask the question, church, and I'm not trying to be like make you feel guilty or shame anyone. I'm just saying, if you were Philip in that story, number one, would you have heard God's voice? Number two, would you have obeyed God's voice? And number three, even if you were in that moment where this guy turns to you and says, how can I understand unless someone explains it? Are you prepared to take that word of God and share the presentation of the gospel with somebody? By the way, next Sunday, if you'd say, no, I'm not, next Sunday, I'm going to teach you how to share the gospel. I'm going to teach our people how to share the gospel and just conversationally tell people about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Could you have done that? What if, we, what if we put a modern twist to that? What if we made it like the story is, you know, you're at the mall. And the voice of God whispers to you, hey, leave the Starbucks kiosk and go over to that little playland where all those germy kids are at and just sit by that mom. Now, if you're like an older guy, that's creepy. Don't, that's not God's word saying that to you, okay? Just take it in context. What if... You heard God's voice whispering to you. See that person over there? I want you to go talk to him about me. Would you do it? Would you be prepared in that moment if they were to be like, John, I don't, I don't know how to understand this stuff. I don't get it. Would you be prepared? 
Notice the result. Because he heard God's voice, because he obeyed God's voice, and because he was prepared, he was in the right place at the right time for this divine appointment. There's an Ethiopian eunuch who's in heaven today. Don't miss this, guys. This is not just some random story that happened 2,000 years ago and it means nothing. There is an Ethiopian eunuch in heaven today. You're going to meet him someday if you know Christ. I'm going to meet him someday. And he's there today because Philip was ready to go fishing. And Philip got that amazing opportunity to lead this man to Christ and then to see him take that step in baptism. That's pretty cool stuff. I want to look at this briefly from another lens real quick. And then I'm going to offer up a couple clear next steps that I'm going to challenge you to take. But I intentionally chose this passage of Scripture today, not only because it kind of summarizes so well a lot of the themes we've been talking about the past few weeks, but it also gives me an opportunity to point out the powerful story that is baptism. And to tell you that, guess what, Rescue Church, for our South Dakota campuses, next Sunday, June 25th, we're celebrating our B3 party, Beach Baptisms and Barbecue. We're going to gather together on a nasty beach, we're going to eat some delicious barbecue, and we're going to celebrate as a bunch of brand new Christians and maybe some people that have been saved for a while and just haven't taken that step of baptism as they get baptized. It's going to be a party. And to our other campuses, I know there's dates being planned in Deeside and Peoria. It's going to happen in the near future. We're going to see people take that step. I want to ask the question to everyone in the sound of my voice. First of all, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the first step I would challenge you to take if you don't know Christ. You might be religious. I didn't ask if you were religious. I didn't ask if you were confirmed when you were 13 or 15 or whatever. I didn't ask if your parents made a decision about baptism for you when you were an infant and don't even remember it. I did not ask what denominational affiliation you had growing up. I didn't ask if you were religious. I asked, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if the answer is no, what I want to tell you is today we want to help explain the gospel to you. Just like Philip did to this man. I want to help tell the story of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you and for me and the forgiveness that's available to you. And in just a moment, as I close in prayer, like you have an opportunity to receive Christ, to reach out in faith from your heart and call upon the name of Jesus to be your Savior. And if you're like, I, don't, I still need someone to explain that to me. I still don't totally get it. I would challenge you, come and find me after the service. Talk to your campus pastor. Like, we want to help answer whatever questions you may have. But my next question is, have you followed the Lord in baptism? And I want to reach back to that question that this guy asked Philip. He said, look, here's water. What's keeping me from being baptized? Next Sunday night, our church is going to be gathered at a lake, and there's going to be a bunch of water. And I want to ask you the same question. Look, here's, here's a bunch of water. What's keeping you from being baptized? And if you're, you're here and you've never taken that step of obedience in your faith walk with Jesus, I want to challenge you. You need to be baptized. It's important. And I, I'm going to say this so gently, and, and I don't, please hear my heart. I'm not, trying to be, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to tell the truth. If you would say, because I've heard it so many times, if you would say, hey, Pastor John, I've been baptized. When I was three weeks old, my parents had me baptized. 
I just want to gently tell you, your parents meant the very best in that for you. Like they wanted what was best. Their heart was in the right place. So hear me say this so gently when I tell you that's not baptism according to the word of God. Nowhere in scripture do we see infants being baptized. What we see is the picture I showed you today from Acts chapter 8. It's someone putting their faith in Jesus and believing in him and then taking that step out into the water, being lowered under the water, immersed, brought back up out of the water, and in that symbolizing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that I used to be dead in my sins. I've been crucified and buried with Jesus, and I have been resurrected with Jesus to live a new life. I'm a new creation, and I'm unashamed to tell the world my faith is in Jesus. That's what baptism is. I've often heard it explained like baptism is like what a wedding ring is to a marriage. This, the ring does not make me married. The ring is a symbol. It's an external covenant on the outside to tell the world my heart is in a covenant relationship with my wife and with God in this thing called marriage. And that's what baptism is. It's an outside symbol. So when I, when I meet Christians that are reluctant to get baptized, they're like, oh, I believe in Jesus. I just don't want to do that baptism thing. It, it hits me about the same way when I meet a husband that says, no, I'm married to this lady. I just don't like wearing my ring because I kind of want to keep my options open and I don't necessarily want everyone to know that I'm married to this lady over here. I think it's kind of tacky. Now, don't write me hateful emails and tell me why you can't wear a ring because of the heavy machinery you work around. Okay, I get it. Whatever. I'm talking about the men and women that refuse to wear a ring because of the symbolism they want to avoid. Like, if you're in a covenant relationship, I want the world to know I'm a married man, and that's what baptism is. It's letting the world know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you've not taken that step, I want to invite you to get signed up to be baptized next Sunday night. Or if you're in one of our other campuses, just let us know. You say, how do I let you know? Well, I'll give you an easy way. We've got these connection cards in all of our campuses. You can just simply fill one of these out and you can let us know, today I made a decision to trust Christ as my Savior. Or you could say, you know what, today I made a decision, I need to be baptized. Please include me in this B3 thing. Or the next time our campus is having a baptism, I want to be baptized. And then let me say one more clear next step I want to encourage people to take. I know I'm speaking to Christians here this morning that would say, John, I've believed in Jesus. I'm hooked by the gospel. Yes, I've been baptized by immersion after I accepted Christ. I did that two years ago, four years ago, 24 years ago. I want to challenge you to take the step that Philip took this past week. Well, he took the step many, many years ago. But this coming week, I want to challenge you to take the step that Philip took that we saw today. Where you hear God's voice and sense his prompting and you obey it and you go have a conversation, whether it be with a total stranger or with someone that you've been in a relationship with in your family, in your circle of friends, whatever that looks like, and you share your faith in Christ with someone this week. How cool would it be if by next Sunday you had the opportunity to not only have led your friend to Christ, but to be there with them and be a part of their baptism like Philip got to do. Guys, this stuff is not just Bible stories that happened thousands of years ago. This is God's will for our church right now, to be about the business of fishing, always prepared to fish, hearing God's voice, obeying God's voice, and putting some lines in the water and seeing people accept Christ as their Savior and follow in baptism. 
I want to challenge us. Let's take those steps this week. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer before we dismiss today. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time that you've given to us. God, thank you for this simple but powerful story that comes from Scripture about one of those divine appointments that you set up with Philip and someone who needed Jesus. Thank you that he heard your voice and that he obeyed and that he was prepared to give an answer to this man who was searching. God, open our eyes to see the world around us, to see the countless people that are searching and seeking something. And what we know is that at the end of the day, nothing they find until they have Jesus will satisfy. And we have Jesus. God, break our hearts for lost people. Help us understand that we need to be prepared to fish so that when we run into these similar divine appointments in our daily lives, we would be ready to share our faith with others. Lord, I pray right now, if there's anyone here today, listening online, wherever they may be, who's never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that right now, you would be opening their eyes and opening their heart and helping them understand that they need a relationship with Jesus Christ more than anything else. That simply being good and moral and religious is not enough. Doesn't matter if they own a Bible doesn't matter if they go to church. If they do not have a relationship with Christ by faith, Lord, I pray that right now you would just be opening their eyes to the need for that. And that from wherever they're sitting, they would be calling upon your name for salvation. Lord, I pray for the Christians in the sound of my voice that for whatever reason, maybe it just hasn't worked out, maybe they've resisted it, but for whatever reason, they've not taken that step of obedience in the waters of baptism, I pray that in the, the next seven days, Lord, by next Sunday, we would have such an incredible night of celebration in our church as we see people get baptized. Lord, help them to have the courage and the conviction to take that step. And then, God, for all of us, I pray that we would take this step of sharing our faith in Christ with others in our lives this week. We will give you all the honor and the praise and the glory for what you do, Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv every Sunday at 10 a.m.